I want us to take a look at a couple things. So we'll start off in Galatians chapter 2. What's the session two called? Uh, session two, and I was trying to play with this, think of a better way to do it, but but here it is. Uh, don't be an unaware. Okay. So in the past, we've done uh, little messages. One, we, we said, don't be a core of the body of Christ. And, um, or are you, are you the core of the body of Christ? And we, we, what we do is you go over to, to Jude and you find out that this guy named Kor, you go back in the Old Testament, you find out his name is Kor. It's spelled differently because Hebrew and Greek writes them differently, right? So as you go back and you look at that, you find out who was Korah. Well, Korah was a guy that said, we're going to deny the, 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 the authority that was given to Moses. And so what I was doing with that, with that message was, uh, don't do what Korah did for the body of Christ. Don't try to deny the authority that Paul was given for the church, the body of Christ. Right? Just as Moses was the great lawgiver for the nation of Israel, Paul was the great grace giver for the church, the body of Christ. And so we know that, hopefully. And so that issue was, is don't be a core for the body of Christ. We did another one where we, where we talked about don't be a certain damsel. And you go over to in, in, in Acts and you find out that Paul's dealing with this damsel and what she's trying to do is push people away from the truth. Right? And... All those really have to do with how you've got this false version of what God's done. And we talked about it in the last session with the religious system, right? And it's that false version of what God's doing. And it's set up out there and people follow it because it makes me feel good about myself that I can do this, that, or the other. I can look at, at some, I can go in and, and light a candle or I can go you know, do whatever it is. You want me to go do something, I'll go do it. And it makes me feel good about it because I've done something. And I feel like I have a part in something that God's doing to glorify. No, it's Him. God's glorifying. And it's really, really interesting when you go back and you read in Ephesians and He's talking about the fellowship of the mystery, right? And how God the Father, His whole purpose is to glorify the Son and the, and the Holy Spirit. And son's son's purpose is to glorify the Father and the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit's goal is to glorify the Father and the Son. And it's really interesting because those, as God with the three persons, glorifies God, and that's an amazing thing. Then we get to be a part of doing that, and that's that fellowship of the mystery that we get to be a part of what God's doing to glorify Him. And the best part is it's not just out in the ages to come, but it's, as we've said, it's here today that we have an opportunity to glorify God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're able to glorify God, that God, the Godhead. We're able to glorify God by getting in this book and coming to an understanding, and He's going to work His life and live His life in and through us, and He's going to get the glory. Because that's the opposite of what religious system out there does. Religious system says, look at what I've done. I've done enough, and now, God, you owe me something. And God says, no, it's the exact opposite way. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you everything right up front if you get saved, and then what's going to happen is, is I'm going to glory. And it's amazing. Because you look at those things and you sit back and you think, what God's going to do to glorify Himself, and we get to be a part of it. That's a beautiful thing. 
But the other thing is, does he get less glory because I'm not part of it? No. He still gets it all. If any one of us takes, takes our part out, he still gets all the glory. And it's not because one of us were more involved. It's because he's going to get it. Because he's, he's got a plan. You know, you go back into Job and you talk about, well, you know, Job, did Job know what God's ultimate plan was? No. It wasn't until the end of the book of Job you find that out. And it's just the same way as it is in our life. We, we might think we've got it all figured out, but God says, I've got a plan. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill that plan, whether you're part of it or not. But here's the good part. You get to be a part of the glory that I've already got created. And you can choose whether or not you're going to be a part of it or not. And with that, Galatians chapter 2. <clears throat> what we need to be careful of is what we're going to see here in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Let's get the context of what we've got here. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of, thee, but of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me, but contrary wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Father, we thank you again for your word. You've pres preserved it throughout the years and ages that we can have it. We can come to an understanding of what you're doing today by allowing your word to be the final authority in all things that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, we, we hopefully we understand. You go back into Galatians chapter 15 and you've got this great conference, if you will, between Peter and Paul. Those that were with Peter and those that were with Paul. And they have this conference back there and they're talking about some issues because there were some people going around to the churches in Galatia saying, if you're not circumcised after the manner of Moses, then you're not saved. And what Paul has to do is he has to go up to Jerusalem and that's what he does by revelation. He goes up to Jerusalem and communicates unto them that gospel that he preaches among the Gentiles, which by the way in Galatians chapter 1 verse 11 and 12, we find out that that gospel is the gospel that he got by, by revelation of Jesus Christ. He wasn't taught it by anybody. Nobody told him what it was. He didn't go and find out, hey, what am I supposed to do? 
The idea that people go and they say, well, Paul had to go up to Jerusalem and ask Peter and the guys, hey, do I have the right gospel? That's not what he was doing in Acts 15. What he was doing is he's going up there and saying, the grace of God is what saves you today and nothing you do in the flesh, especially circumcision, will save you. And what happened is, as we see here in verse 4, he starts talking to us about some folks. He says, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in. And that, that, that's the issue that I want us to look at today is don't be an unaware. Now, what's an unaware? An unaware has no idea what's being taught at their assembly or what the people they're bringing in is teaching. And so what we're saying is, is don't be an unaware. Don't be a person that doesn't know what's going on because we have a responsibility for what's being taught. I have a responsibility for what's being taught here. And what I want us to be sure to say is I don't want to be somebody that's unaware that brings false, false brethren in that teach false doctrines. Because that's exactly what was going on here. He says, you have false brethren unawares brought in. People that didn't know what they were teaching or what was being taught at Galatia, unaware people were saying, hey, this guy's good. Let's have him speak. And that's what you have there. People who don't know what's being taught at their own church or who's being taught as they bring them in. He says, you've got false brethren unawares brought in. What did those false brethren do? What was the purpose of the false brethren? I mean, you think about this. You go back in, in, in Joshua, and this is the way, this is the, way the, the system always works against what God's doing. Is he had, there, there were people that came in, and they, they, they made their, mold, their, their bread look moldy. They made their clothes look dusty and dirty and ripped and torn. And they go in and say, we've been traveling from a far country. And all we ask is, do you come and make a league with us? And they say, yes, we'll make a league. Why? Because they were unaware of who those people actually were. And then they come to find out that they're just a neighboring city from, from them. And the only purpose they went in was to destroy the liberty that they had. Now, of course, their liberty is different than the liberty that we have today, but that's the same thing that's going on back here. And you have false brethren that unaware people brought in and said, hey, we should listen to this guy because they didn't understand what was being taught. And really, the, the, reason, why, the reason why that we want to look at this is because when you look at verse 5, he says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. So you stop and you think, he says, what's Paul, do, what's Paul say? We're not going to let this guy come in, not even for an hour. We're not going to give them place to come in and teach that information. And here's why. Go back over to Acts chapter 17. When we take a look at what's going on in Acts chapter 17, this is a verse that we've talked about quite often on our TV program, and we've, we've looked at it before. As, as Delilah grew up, the church she grew up in, and the, where, the place that I first come to understand right division, the first time I heard it, and then I've learned a little bit as we've gone through, the first time I heard it, this was a verse that everybody talked about and cared about. And I think through the years, this verse has become less and less cared about or talked about. 
and it's unfortunate. When we look at Acts chapter 17, verse 11, Paul's talking about the folks in, in Berea, and he says, these were more noble. The folks in Berea, he says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. So what did they do? They go into church and they're going to say, I'm going to open my mind and I'm going to allow the word to be the issue. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay attention to what the word actually says. And so then that's the first issue. The second issue is what? And search the scriptures daily. They took it upon themselves, their own personal responsibility to understand that Bible. They took it upon themselves and says, I'm going to go and search the scriptures daily, find out whether those things are true. Right? So when you look at that, that's the two things. Readiness of mind, open your thoughts to what God's word actually says. And then second of all, when you hear something, compare it to what you know. The problem is, is if you're unaware, you don't know anything to compare it to. Does that make sense? Because that's, the, that's, that's, where, we've, that's where we've come to. And so what I want us to, to think about is go back to being a Berean. Don't be an unaware, but be a Berean. Personal study is the issue. I can't, I can't bring you to understanding. All I can do is say, go read this book. Go read this book. Go read this book. And that's where 2 Timothy 2.15 comes in, right? He says, study to show who? Thyself. Thyself. Approved unto God. And we've talked about that, for, that verse before. Do we know that we're already approved of God? We should. And he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. How is it that you're going to find out that you're approved? You've got to study to show to yourself, hey, I'm approved. I am in the beloved. I'm accepted in Christ. Because I am in Christ and God has accepted him, then he's also accepted me. And he's already, he's, he's already approved and the only way you find that out is you get in the book and you study it right and divide it. Can you go back in the Old Testament and find out if you're approved or not by being in Christ? The answer is no. You're not going to. And he says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Should there be shame? We've, we've looked at the verse, Proverbs 18, 13, right? If a, man or, if a man answer a matter before he heareth it, what is it? It's a folly and a shame. So if you don't know information and you try to answer it prior to actually hearing the matter, what's going to happen? It's a folly and it's a shame. How do you not be ashamed? <laughs> Studying the Bible for yourself. Searching those things yourself, whether or not they actually be so. And so, you go over to, let's go over real quick to Hebrews chapter 5. <clears throat> there's, there's, there's issues that we need to, to keep in mind as we go through here. <clears throat> what was that verse in Proverbs? Proverbs 18, 13. You. You're welcome. In Hebrews chapter 5, first of all, let me pause here for just a second. I know, 
and completely understand where the book of Hebrews is. But there is a truth here that we also find in Paul's epistles, and I want us to be able to see this. Notice, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, of whom we have many things to say, talking about Jesus Christ, who is their, their high priest after the word of Melchizedek, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time for for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And it becomes such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So that's a I think that's a really good definition of an unaware. Somebody who should be able to teach. But what happens? They still need somebody to teach them the, or, the, the first principles of the oracles of God. But verse 13. <clears throat> for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. <clears throat> We remember Paul talking about a group of people who he calls babes in Christ? Corinthians, right? And so what's he say here? For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Now, and of course, again, I understand where Hebrews is, but I want you to think about the parallel that we have here. If we just stick with milk our entire lives, should we be shocked when life doesn't happen the way that we think it should happen? We've, we've talked about the struggle, strife, and life issue over the past few weeks, right? How, how we go through things just because we make bad decisions. It's a result. And then you've also got things that happen because we live in a sin-cursed world. It's not because God's trying to get your attention and say, hey, you need to get back in the book. But the issue is what? He's saying, if you're still on the milk, what's he say? He is a babe. Verse 14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by, here's the issue, reason of use. You know, we've talked, we, we mentioned it in the last one too. No. Reckon and yield. That's where you use it. You've got to know it. Count it to be true for yourself. And then go use it. And he says here what? Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If you hear somebody preach something wrong and you've been on strong meat, then you're going to pick it up. If you hear somebody preach something right and you're on strong meat, you're going to pick it up. But if you're unaware and still on milk and somebody preaches something wrong, you're not going to get it. And you're going to think, well, that's good just because of the guy who teaches it. 
First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. Um, we looked at some of these issues earlier, so I'm going to skip down to chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as, un, uh, but as unto carnal, even as unto what? Babes. Babes in Christ. So what does that tell us about this group of people? Are they skillful in the word of righteousness or not? They're not. And he's, he even tells them, you're babes in Christ. Verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Here's the worst part. Here's what I would hate to hear. Neither yet now are ye able. Was this the first time that Paul went through the through through Corinth when he wrote this book? No. And he's saying, time has passed. And I'm still having to teach you all with, with milk. Verse 3. Here's why. For ye are yet carnal. For as there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? He goes down through there and deals with that issue. And then he starts talking about the judgment seat of Christ, right? So as you go down through here, there's an issue that he's talking about. And he's saying, I can't even talk to you all about meat stuff because you're still back here on the milk. Now, today, when I take a look at this and I look back... <clears throat> That's a little bold for me. You know, I could take a look and say, okay, Delilah, you know, you just, you, you're, you're not doing what you need to do. You need to get in the book. You're not there yet. I, I, I can't talk to you about higher, higher spiritual things or things that has more understanding just because you're not doing what you need to do. Or Bruce, I, I don't, what do we know? It takes time. Did Paul get it all at once? No. On the road to Damascus, did Paul get, here's it all. Here's everything. He, he tells us what? He has had some visions, then he will have more, right? He tells us that he will come to vision revelation. There's more information out there. So for me, I find that kind of bold that he says, guys, you all aren't getting it and you need to get it. You've been in it long enough, you need to get it. Because we know it takes time. But there was an urgency to what he was preaching, which is why he did it that way. Did Paul expect the, 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 the catching away of the church, the body of Christ, during his time period? Absolutely. He says what? Redeem the times. Redeeming the time for the days of evil are evil. And he says, I want you to take advantage of the time that you have right now and quit wasting it on all these other things out here and get in the book. And he says, I, w I wish I could talk to you all about the, the real issues, but I can't because Why? You're unawares, just like what I was talking about to the folks in Galatia. And that's an issue that we have to worry about. Go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul says what? Prove all things. Alright? How do you prove all things? 
There is a standard to which you measure it up to. And he says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. So if you know something good, hold fast to it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace shall sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you. Notice, who also will do it? Who's doing that work? Who's doing it? The one that calleth you. Who's the one that called you? God did. Who's doing the work there? God did. He's the one performing. That's why we went back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Spirit's going to produce that life in you. When we look at, when we look at Galatians 5 and He says, the fruit of the Spirit is, mm-hmm. that fruit is what the Spirit produces, not us. It's God doing the work. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. It's Him doing the work. And all we need to do is just get out of the way and let His Word do the work. It's all based on what you know and your understanding. Yeah. And the understanding comes from when you read it and He says, "Let and the Lord give the understanding in all things. It's Him that's doing the work. And that's amazing to think about because He's given us His He gave His life at Calvary, right? For us. And He gives us His life to us right now today to live His life in and through us that one day He might glorify Himself for the life that He gave us. That's amazing. And we get to be a part of it. But He says here, prove all things. How do you do that? You've got to have some sort of standard to hold it to. Go over to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians chapter 4. One of the one of the big struggles this year has been the gathering of the local assembly. Right? And we've talked about it. We understand health health reasons things like that. But there is a there is a use for the local assembly that we miss out on if we're not here, right? And what I want us to be able to think about is we need to make full use of the local assembly. Now, I know that's tough these days, and you got to figure out different ways to do it. But here, and you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, the reason he gave some apostles and prophets and pastors, evangelists, pastors and teachers and all that in verse 11, here's the purpose, verse 12, Why is it that He's given us that? For the perfecting of the saints. All right? Should saints be perfected? Is it possible to be? If it wasn't, why would He say it? Right? He says, here's the reason for the perfecting of the saints. Why? For the work of the ministry. So who's doing the work of the ministry? Perfected saints. What's the work of the ministry? For the edifying of the body of Christ. What's the purpose of us meeting in a local assembly is to edify one another. To come together to talk about life. Talk about struggles. Talk about problems. And then we can together edify one another and build each other up in this particular group. Because nobody ever said you had to do it by yourself. Because nobody ever said you had to do it by yourself. No, that's a good point. 
And the reason that you're given the local assembly is for that purpose. Till, verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, I've, I've stopped and thought about that. And I've, I've you know, some folks, folks have, have asked me that question before. <clears throat> What's the faith there? It's it's the completion of the revelation that God gave to Paul. That's the body of doctrine. That's what the faith. You go through every one of Paul's epistles, he talks about the faith, right? He says, till we all come into the unity of the faith. So that makes me think, is it possible for all of us in the local assembly to come into the knowledge of the truth together in the unity of the faith? Yes. Well, the verse, it's it's if it's not possible, he wouldn't have said it. The Holy Spirit would not have said that. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Now hold your place there. We're going to come back to it. Go get 2 Timothy. Because this is, I think this, this answers that question very clearly for us. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I think this answers this question very easily, very quickly for us, and doesn't really have to have too much debate with it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. By the way, is 2 Timothy the last book that Paul writes? Yes. Yes. So is 2 Timothy the complete, full completion of God's revelation to Paul? Yes. So then, when in that we read this, notice verse 9. Paul's talking to Timothy, right? Verse 9, he says, But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. And of course, in the context there, he's talking about Janus and Jamboree's, how they withstood Moses and they put up a false version of what God was doing through Moses and God destroyed it. And he says the same thing, verse 9, he says, talking about people in the, as he says in verse 1, talking about the last days, perilous times shall come. And he starts talking about men shall be lovers of, them, of, of their own selves. And he goes down through there. But here's the issue, verse, verse, verse 10. But thou, Timothy, hast... What's that next word? Partially. Does it say partially? He says what? Fully known, my doctrine, manner of life, purpose faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions. Did, did Timothy know everything about what Paul was teaching? Yes. He says fully known. So is it possible for us to come to a full revelation of it? Yes. I would say so, because Timothy does. Doesn't Timothy fully know my doctrine? Isn't that what the verse says? He says, thou hast fully known my doctrine and he's fully known my manner of life and fully known my purpose and fully known my faith and fully known my long suffering and charity and patience and persecutions and afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. So when you look at that, is it possible for us to come into what Paul's talking about over in Ephesians 4? Now think of it this way. Could that have taken place during the time Paul wrote Ephesians 4? No. Can it now? Yes. That's amazing to think about. You know, as we talked about the last time, Paul says, or this time, I can't remember, Paul says what? 
I've come to revelation. I want to have more revelations. I'm going to have more visions. I want to, Christ is going to reveal more to me as it goes through until he gets that full, complete revelation. Back over in Ephesians chapter 4. Why is that important to know? Why is that important to know that we can come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ? Why is it important for us to know that? Verse 14, Ephesians 4, 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I see it happening all the time. And here's why. Because we stopped being Bereans. A lot of folks have stopped studying for themselves. A lot of folks just go find videos and watch videos and say, I believe what this person tells me, and they don't go and search the Scriptures daily whether those things are so. A daily intake of God's Word is the issue. We know the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day with an intake of proper, sound doctrine. And then he says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, the issue there is what? Local assembly. And we've said this before. If our local group edifies each other, and some group in Ohio edifies each other, and some group in Michigan edifies each other, what's happening to the body of Christ? The whole body of Christ. The whole body of Christ is edified. Isn't that important to know? And that's what he's talking about there. Is the edifying of the local assembly taking care of each other. And what happens is the whole body gets the the whole body's part of, and who who is the body? It's the body of Christ, right? And that's that to me that's amazing because that's one of those things we look at these things that's that's important for us to know. So when we go back to Galatians When we go back to Galatians, how was it that Paul fixed the problem with the unawares? Galatians chapter 3. We can take a look at a couple other ones too. We'll take a look at chapter 6 here in a minute too. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? They should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently had, hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit of the work, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. He says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, if he tells them that, doesn't don't they need to know something about Abraham? 
And he says, even as Abraham believed God, what did Abraham believe? How is it that he believed God? God spoke to him and Abraham believed. God said, you're going to have a child and I'm going to bless the nations by your child. You're, there is a seed and it's more specifically a seed, right? And we find out in this chapter that the seed is Christ. He wasn't talking specifically about Isaac, but he's talking about Christ on down the road. And we find that out because of Paul's information that he reveals to us that we can now know, oh, that seed that he's talking about back there is actually Christ. But what is it that Abraham believed? He believed God. The words that God spoke to Abraham, that's what God believed, or that's what God spoke to Abraham, that's what Abraham believed. And what did God do? He accounted it to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And thee shall all nations be blessed. Now, that's a whole different issue that we can talk about. But he says, So then they which are be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. The eternal life that God promises to Abraham, because that's really the issue, right? Isn't that the main issue with Abraham? In order for Abraham to live in a land forever, what's he got to have? Eternal life. Well, Abraham died, and he knew he was going to die because everybody around him died. So what does that mean? He mean that means he knew that there was resurrection to have eternal life which is why he was able to take his son Isaac up onto a mountain to take his life because he knew that God would be able to raise him from the dead. Abraham knew something about resurrection life. Abraham knew something about eternal life because God promised it to him. And we, by faith, just like Abraham, Paul says, that's the way that you're going to get it. Not by doing things, not by the works of the flesh or the law, but by trusting in what God says. Well, what's God say? God says Jesus Christ died for you, was buried and rose again the third day. And you, by simple faith, trusting in that and that alone, knowing that you're a sinner, Romans chapter 3 tells us that, knowing that you're a sinner and there's absolutely nothing you can do to gain eternal life except trust in what Christ did. And he tells us in Romans 4 that when we believe by and we, we by faith believe what God says, He's going to count that to us as righteousness because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And then we have peace with God in Romans chapter 5, and it's amazing. And we go down through there and we see those things, but here's the problem. <clears throat> Coming to the knowledge of the truth is always the second part of that, right? We always... How do you come to the knowledge of the truth? Well, I've got every book by so-and-so... You know, I watch this person 16 hours a week. No, it's personal Bible study is how we don't become an unaware. That's how we grow up because the Spirit works in and through us and takes that Word and teaches us. To me, again, I think that's amazing because 